Hello, and welcome back to Free Reads. Pundits like to say that there are two kinds of people, men and women, liberals and conservatives. And don't tell me you're an independent if you consistently pull the lever for one or the other when it counts. And cat lovers and dog lovers. For the record, I have two cats and have never owned a dog. In fact, as you may have guessed from listening to last week's installment, I am something of a dog disliker. For instance, the germ of this story was that I wanted to write dog villains. Does it tell you anything when I say that the working title of The Edge of Nowhere was Bad Dogs? I know, I know. I've probably alienated the canine party, which no doubt makes up more than half of my listenership. Don't hold my pooch prejudice against me. I'm a kindly and understanding fellow when it comes to most aspects of life. In any event, the dogs are pretty much off stage this time around, and instead Lorraine is about to have an illuminating conversation with a strange gentleman named Chance at the edge of nowhere. The Barrow was a warehouse buried under the mesa. Rain climbed down to the loading dock and knocked on the sectional steel door. After a few moments, she heard the whine of an electric motor as the door clattered up on its tracks. Chance Conrad stood just inside, blinking in the afternoon sunlight. He was a handsome, graying man who balanced a receding hairline with a delicate beard. Although he had a light step and an easy manner, the skin under his eyes was dark and pouchy. Some said this was because Chance didn't sleep much since he was so busy managing the barrow. Others maintained that he didn't sleep at all because he hadn't been revived like the rest of the residents of nowhere. He was a construct of the cognosphere. It stood to reason, people said. How could anyone with a name like Chance Conrad be real? Lorraine, he said, and here I was about to write this day off as a total loss. He put his hand on her shoulder and urged her through the entrance. Come, come in. Chance had no use for daylight. That was another strike against his being real. Once the barrow was safely locked down again, he relaxed. So, he said, here we are, just the two of us. I'm hoping this means you're finally dumping the boy genius. Rain had long since learned that the best way to deflect Chance's relentless flirting was just to ignore it. As far as she knew, he had never taken a lover. She took a deep breath and counted to five. Uno, du, tri, quar, quin. The air in the barrow had the familiar damp weight she remembered from when she first woke up at nowhere. It settled into Rain's lungs like a cold. Before her were crates and jars and barrels and boxes of goods that the people of nowhere had asked the cognosphere to recreate. Later that night, Ferdy Raskolnikov and his crew would load the lot onto trucks for delivery around town tomorrow. What's this? Rain bent to examine a wide-bladed shovel cast with a solid steel handle. It was so heavy she could barely lift it. 
Shelly Castor thinks she's planting daffodils with this. Chance shook his head. I told her that the handles of garden tools were always made of wood, but she claims her father had a shovel just like that one. He shook his head. The specific gravity of steel is 7.8 grams per cubic centimeter, you know. Oh? When Rain let the handle go, the shovel clanged against the cement floor. Can we grow daffodils? We'll see. Chance muscled the shovel back into place on its pallet. He probably didn't appreciate her handling other people's orders. I'm racking my brains trying to remember if I've got something here for you. But I don't, do I? How about those binoculars I keep asking for? I send the requests. He spread his hands. They all bounce. The corners of his mouth twitched. So is this about us? At long last. I'm just looking for a book, Chance. A novel. Oh, he said, crestfallen. Better come to the office. Normally, if Rain wanted to add a book to the very memorial library, she'd call Chance and put in an order. Retrieving books was usually no problem for the collective intelligence of humanity, which had uploaded itself into the cognosphere sometime in the late 23rd century. All it needed was an author and title. Failing that, a plot description, or even just a memorable line, might suffice for the cognosphere to perform a plausible, if not completely accurate, reconstruction of some lost text. In fact, depending on the quality of the description, the cognosphere would recreate a version of pretty much anything the citizens of nowhere could remember from the world. Exactly how it accomplished this, or more important, why it bothered, was a mystery. Chance's office was tucked into the rear of the barrow next to the creche. On the way, they passed the big board of the Memex, which tracked audience and storyteller accounts for all the residents of nowhere, and sorted and cataloged the accumulated memories. Chance stopped by the creche to check the vitals of Rahim Aziz, who was destined to become the newest citizen of nowhere, thus bringing the population back up to the standard 853. Rahim was to be an elderly man with a crown of snowy white hair surrounding an oval bald spot. He was replacing Lucy Panza, the tennis pro and town calligrapher, who had gone missing two weeks ago and was presumed to have thrown herself over the edge without telling anyone. Old disease isn't quite as easy on the eye as you were, said Chance, who never failed to remind Rain that he had seen her naked during her revival. Rahim floated on his back in a clear tube filled with a yellow cirrus fluid. He had a bit of a paunch, and the skin of his legs and under his arms was wrinkled. Rain noted with distaste that he had a penis tattoo of an elephant. When will you decant him? Chance rubbed a thumb across a readout shell built into the wall of the creche. Uh, tomorrow, maybe. The shells meant nothing to Rain. Tuesday at the latest. Chance Conrad's office was not so much decorated as overstuffed. Dolls and crystal and tools and fossils and clocks jostled across shelves and the tops of cabinets and chests. The walls were covered with picks from feelies made after Rain's time in the world, although she had seen some of them at the Zigfowl. She recognized Oud's birth death. Moret de Valois in full fetish from Time Stranger 
and the wedding cake scene from Tuab Niala. So this is about a novel, then. Chance moved behind his desk, but did not sit down. Called? He waved a hand over his desktop, and its eye winked at him. The last president. Rain sat in the chair opposite him. President as in time-honored custom, or president as in Marie Luca? The latter. <laughs> he chuckled. You know, you're the only person in this town who would say the latter. I love that. Would you have my baby? No. Marry me? Uh-uh. Sleep with me? Chance. He sighed. Who's the author? I don't know. You don't know. Chance rubbed under his eyes with the heels of his hands. You sure about that? You wouldn't care to take a wild guess? Last name begins with the letter what? Uh, A through K? L through Z? Sorry. He stepped from behind the desk, and his desktop shut its eyes. Well, the damn doggy didn't know either, which is why I couldn't help him. Rain groaned. He's been here already? Him and a couple of his pooch pals. Chance opened the igloo, which stood humming beside the door. Cooler? He pulled out a frosty pitcher filled with something thick and glaucous. It's just broccoli nectar and a little ethanol-style vodka. Rain shook her head. But that doesn't make sense. She could hear the whine in her voice. They're agents of the Cognosphere, right? And you access the Cognosphere. Why would it ask you to ask itself? Exactly. Chance closed the door and locked it. This struck Rain as odd. Maybe he was afraid that Ferdy Raskolnikov would barge in on them. Things have been loopy here lately, he said. You should have seen some of the mistakes we've had to send back. He poured broccoli cocktail for himself. It oozed from the pitcher and landed in his coffee mug with a thick plop. I've spent all afternoon trying to convince myself that the dogs are some kind of workaround, maybe to jog some loose data from the Memex. He replaced the pitcher in the igloo and settled onto the chair behind his desk. But now you show up and I'm wondering, why is Rain asking me for this book? She frowned. I ask you for all my books. He considered for a moment, tapping a finger against his forehead, and then pointed at her. Let me tell you a story. Rain started to object that she had neither goods nor services to offer him in return, and she had just drained her Memex account to dry spit. But he silenced her with a wave. No, this one's free. He took a sip of liquid broccoli. An audience credit, unencumbered. Offered to the woman of my dreams. She stuck out her tongue. Why does this place exist? He asked. The barrow? Nowhere. Ah, eschatology. <laughs> she laughed bitterly. Well, Father Samsa claims this is the afterlife, although I'll be damned if I know whether it's heaven or hell. I know you don't believe that, said Chance. So then, this is some game that the Cognosphere is playing? We're virtual chess persons? Rain shrugged. What happens when we step off the edge? Nobody knows. Just then a cacophony of clocks yawped 
pinged and buzzed in six o'clock. This isn't much of a story, Chance. Patience, love. So you think the Cognosphere recreated us for a reason? Maybe. Okay, sure. A huge spider with eight paintbrush legs shook itself and stretched on a teak cabinet. We're in a zoo, uh, a museum. Or maybe some kind of primitive backup. The Cognosphere keeps us around because there's a chance it might fail, go crazy. I don't know. If that happened, we could start over. Except we'd all die without the Cognosphere. The spider stepped onto the wall and picked its way toward the nearest corner. And nobody's made any babies that I know of. We're not exactly Adam and Eve material, Chance. But that's damn scary, no? Makes the case that none of us is real. Rain liked him better when he was trying to coax her into bed. Enough! She pushed her chair back and started to get up. Okay, okay. He held up his hands in surrender. Story time. When I was a kid, I used to collect meanies. Meanies? She settled back down. Probably after your time. There were bots, about so big. He held a forefinger and thumb a couple of centimeters apart. Little fighting toys. There were gorilla meanies and ghoul meanies and Nazi meanies and demon meanies and dino meanies. Fifty-two in all, one for every week of the year. You set them loose in the meanie arena and they would try to kill one another. If they died, they'd shut down for twenty-four hours. Now, if meanies fought one-on-one, -on -one, they would always draw. But when you formed them into teams, their powers combined in different ways. For instance, a ghoul and a Nazi team could defeat any other team of two, except the Dino and Yeti. For the better part of a year, I rushed home from school every day to play with the things. I kept trying combinations until I could pretty much predict the outcome of every battle. Then I lost interest. Uh, speaking of losing interest, said Rain, who was distracted by the spider decorating the corner of Chance's office and traceries of green and blue. I'm getting there. He shifted uncomfortably in his chair and took another sip from the mug. So, a couple years go by and I'm twelve now. One night I'm in my room and I, I hear this squeaking coming from under my bed. I pull out the old meanie arena, which has been gathering dust all this time, and I see that a mouse has blundered into it and is being attacked by a squad of meanies. And just like that, I'm fascinated with them all over again. For weeks, I drop crickets and frogs and garter snakes into the arena and watch them try to survive. That's sick. Uh, no question. But then boys can't help themselves when it comes to mindless cruelty. Anyway, it didn't last. The wildlife was too hard on the poor little bots. He drained the last of the broccoli. But the point is that I got bored playing with a closed set of meanies. Even though I hadn't actually tried all possible combinations, after a while I could see nothing much new was ever going to happen. But then the mouse changed everything. He leaned forward across the desk. So... Let me propose a thought experiment to you, my lovely Lorraine. This mysterious novel that everyone is so eager to find. What if the last name of the author began with... He paused and then 
seemed to pluck something out of the air. Oh, let's say W. Rain started. And just for the sake of argument, let's suppose that the first name also begins with W. Ah, I see from your expression that this thought has also occurred to you. It's not him, said Rain. He was revived at nineteen. He's just a kid. Why would the cognosphere care anything about him? Because he's the mouse in our sad little arena. He isn't simply recycling memories of the world like the rest of us. This novel your doggies are looking for doesn't exist in the cognosphere. Never did. Because it's being written right here, right now. Maybe imagination is in short supply wherever the doggies come from. Lord knows there isn't a hell of a lot of it here and nowhere. Rain would have liked to deny it, but she could feel the insult sticking to her. How do you know he's writing a novel? I supply the paper, Rain. Reams and reams of it. Besides, this may be hell, as Father Samsa insists, but it's also a small town. We meddle in each other's business. What else is there to do? His voice softened. Rain thought that if chance ever did take a lover, this would be how he might speak to her. Is the book any good? Because if it is, I'd like to read it. I don't know. At that moment, Rain felt a drop of something cold hit the back of her hand. There was a dot the color of sky on her knuckle. She looked up at the spider hanging from the ceiling on an azure thread. He doesn't show it to me. Your toy is dripping. Really? Chance came around the desk. A woman of your considerable charms is taking no for an answer? He reached up and cradled the spider into his arms. Go get him, Rain. You don't want to keep your mouse waiting. He carried it to the teak cabinet. Rain rubbed at the blue spot on her hand, but the stain had penetrated her skin. She couldn't even smudge it. And we'll stop there. Next time, Lorraine and Will's relationship reaches a turning point, and the dogs return. Meanwhile, let's not forget what's going on elsewhere in Kelly World. My e-zine, Strange Ways, on Nook and Kindle, and my other audio ventures over on Audible. And how about my newly released book, edited with John Kessel, Digital Rapture, the Singularity Anthology. But enough pimping of product. Please return next week for another episode of The Free Reads Podcast. <laughs>